This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. Our title tonight, this afternoon even, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's have a look at the verse this quote comes from. So if we can go back into the Old Testament, please. The book of Proverbs and chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Proverbs 3 verse 5 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding So to look at this idea we want to build up a picture firstly of how great God is and why we should trust him that his purpose is certain and can't be changed and secondly we want to compare God with man that we should depend on God and not man and that includes ourselves we shouldn't depend on ourselves and that we will see as we go along the wisdom of God and about his glorious kingdom that it's far beyond anything we can achieve for ourselves so let's while we're in this chapter let's also have a look at verse 7 and 8 be not wise in thine own eyes fear the Lord and depart from evil it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones so verse 7 we should fear or reverence the Lord we should understand him and try to please him and verse 8 if we do these things it will do us good we all want to be healthy and our bones to have marrow don't know technically what that does for us but it's a good thing Um, so to gain an understanding about God and why we should trust him we want to look at his word the Bible we're going to base all our thoughts this afternoon on the Bible, the Word of God. So to consider firstly then the powers of God, I'd like us to start in the chapter we took for our reading. If we turn to the book of Acts, in chapter 17. In this chapter, Paul and those with him are visiting Athens. And he's speaking on a very popular place in Athens, Mars Hill, which I think is where all the, the thinkers of the day used to meet in Athens. And the people of Athens and these big thinkers hadn't become aware of the God of the Bible so Paul was introducing God to them and let's have a look at what Paul says in verse 24 God that made the world and all things therein seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth dwells not in temples made with hands so as we said Paul is introducing a new God and says that that God has made the world and the things in it as it says in Genesis 1 verse 1 in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and this God wasn't contained in temples we know there were lots of temples in Athens at that time that the people would have been able to look around and see about them as Paul was talking temples to various Greek gods that they were familiar with but the God of the Bible they were not familiar with him let's come down to verse 28 For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. 
So Paul says that God sustains the whole of creation, every life on earth. He gives us the air to breathe. He has watched over and cared for all life from the creation until now. And he doesn't have any limitations in time or anything to prevent him monitoring 7 billion people every second of every day. He is that much greater than us in every way. Please can we turn to the first letter of Paul to Timothy. 1 Timothy and chapter 1. To see what else Paul has to say about the greatness of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. One Timothy one verse seventeen. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. So Paul says that God is eternal. He has always been there and he always will be there. He's not limited in the way we are. We're here, we know we're here for a, a relatively short time. He also says he is the king, he rules over creation, and he is immortal. He can never die. Uh, if we turn on to chapter 6 of this letter, please. 1 Timothy and chapter 6. And again, a little verse that Paul says to Timothy about the greatness of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16. Who God only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honour and power everlasting. Amen. So God, we were told in chapter 1 that God is immortal. Here, we're told he has immortality, and therefore he can give it to others. And we hope to see more about this later on. Chapter 1 said that God was invisible. Here we're told he dwells in such glory that man cannot see him and live. He is far too glorious for us to look upon. So he is superior to us in so many ways. He's on a different level to all of us. Well, let's see how the Bible compares man with God. Please can we turn back into the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. Prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 40. I think we're coming back to this chapter more than once, so it might be worth keeping a finger in this chapter. Isaiah chapter 40, and the first part we're going to look is a prophecy about a great messenger who would be sent by God and his message, and that it was going to be fulfilled in the role of John the Baptist. But let's first of all have a look at Isaiah 40 and verse 6. The voice said, Cry, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the, gra as the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So man then is clearly described in these verses as flesh and like the grass, very short-lived. And that's because time is not short for God in, in comparison to us. So we should not put our trust in man who is not to be relied upon. There is no room for pride in ourselves either. But we can also see in verse 8 that this idea of the word of God will stand forever. 
We want to come back to this later. God is eternal and reliable and also so is his word. So that shows to us that the nature of God is far superior to that of man. So how does God deal with man? Please can we turn forward to the prophecy of Daniel. Daniel and chapter 4. And these next two passages we're going to look at are passages where two of the great powers of the day, in Daniel's day it was the nation of Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, and secondly in Moses' day it was the power of Egypt and their king Pharaoh. And we'll see what God says either about or to these great leaders of men. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 24 Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream and, and Daniel is explaining it to him, what it means. Verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which is come upon my lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomsoever he will. So great trouble and personal difficulties were going to come upon King Nebuchadnezzar to, to live and act like an animal for these seven times. And this shows to us that God has power to mould happenings on the earth so that they fit his purpose. His will will be done. Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king of his era but he was powerless against God. So let's have a look at another example to see that man cannot stand against God and stop his purpose. Please can we turn back to the book of Exodus. So right near the start of our Bibles, Exodus and chapter 12. And this example of Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. So the one in Nebuchadnezzar was about him personally. This time it's about the whole army of Egypt. In fact, it isn't the army. I was thinking it was a different chapter than it was. It's about a plague that the Lord brought upon Egypt. So Exodus chapter 12 and verse 29 and 30. Exodus 12 verse 29. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. We see how God was in total control. No one can resist. And God sent his angel to, to kill the firstborn in every house, even the great Pharaoh. His house suffered. Egypt was brought to its knees so that Israel was allowed to leave, because that was the purpose of God. Please can we turn back then to Isaiah chapter 40 again. And it's, this is probably like a summary of the, the last two references we've looked at about how the nations and mankind in general is seen by the Lord God. How the greatest force that man can offer is compared to the Lord God. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 15. Behold, the nations are as the drop of a bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. 
Behold, he takes up the isles as a very little thing. And verse 17, All nations before him, before the Lord God, are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. So this is to try and put into context for us that no human force is any match for God. He has created man and he knows all our weaknesses and he has no weaknesses himself. So that really has covered my section on how great God is but we need to ask the question what is the character behind the power? That is God is very great but does he have any care or consideration for man? And this is where we can be positive. We'll come to, to God's character in a moment but first I want to think about God's purpose his will from Daniel chapter 4 earlier. Please can we turn to the second letter of Peter, right at the end of our Bibles, the second letter of Peter in chapter 3. So just before Revelation, we've got the Johns, and then going backwards is Peter. And we want 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9. See what Peter has to say to us here about the purpose of God and how God wants man to respond to him. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God doesn't want to destroy man. He would rather men repent and turn to him. And he is long-suffering he doesn't strike us down straight away when we disobey him. He's merciful even though our behaviour saddens and infuriates him often. Please can we turn back to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew in chapter 5. This is part of Jesus teaching the people of his day in what's, what's often called the Sermon on the Mount. And to just see a little bit of the teaching of Jesus here and what he says about his, his father, the Lord God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. <coughs> Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. So God is perfect. God is perfect in character. He has no character weaknesses just as he has no physical or or weaknesses at all we have to try to please him in our life and not just do our own thing so let's consider then God's character please can we turn to Exodus again this time to Exodus chapter 33 <clears throat> and we're still on Moses Moses has just pleaded with God and God has been pleased with what Moses has done. And let's have a look at what the Lord God says to Moses in Exodus 33 and verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. So Moses had pleased God and he asked to see God's glory. And if we think of all the powers and abilities that God has, what kind of show would God make for Moses? But it's not at all what we might expect. Can we turn on to the next chapter? 
Exodus 34 and verses 6 and 7. This is the glory revealed to Moses. Verse 6. The Lord passed by before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. So God's character then is the glory that's revealed to Moses and that it is full of goodness and truth. So we want to briefly consider these two aspects. Uh, grace, mercy or goodness is shown in verse 7 that God forgives sins and iniquity. He forgives the times when we disobey him. And there's also the links to long suffering that we saw in 2 Peter 3 a minute ago. And the second part then of God's character is truth, that God is a just God. And the second half of verse 7 shows us this, he will punish the guilty. Those who won't respond to him, they are judged and condemned. So if we want to receive the mercy or goodness of God, we should try and find out what he asks us to do, and then do our best to follow these instructions. Can we turn forward please to the prophecy of Micah? This is our hardest one to find this afternoon. Micah and chapter 6. So it's after Daniel where we were before. Uh, three or four books after Daniel. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Micah. Obadiah, Jonah. I forgot those two, sorry. Obadiah, Jonah and then Micah. Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6 and verse 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So this was spoken to people who, some of them wanted to make a big demonstration to show they worship God. Those ideas in verse 6 and 7 that we've just read, doing something grand and that God would be impressed by. But in verse 8 we're shown God says our character and our way of life is much more important to him. But this does mean this character has to be showed by how we behave all through our life. So to do justly is to try to act in a way that pleases God all through our lives. To love mercy is to treat others kindly and thoughtfully. And to walk humbly with God is to show no pride in ourselves and to trust in God and try and do as he says. Much as our starting verse in Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. To so be humble in these things. Please can we turn forward to the Acts again. Acts chapter 2 this time. So this time it's, it's the preaching of the apostles still, but it's the apostle Peter 
with the other disciples speaking to a, a massive crowd in Jerusalem just after the Lord Jesus has, has died and been raised from the dead and been taken away into heaven. And he's been telling the people of his day about how important Jesus was in the purpose of God and what a disaster it was on their behalf that they'd killed him. What a terrible thing to do. <clears throat> and we want to see their reaction and then what Peter says they must do. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? <coughs> then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But we are certainly included in those who are far off in verse 39. We're far off in time and space from those events in Jerusalem in the first century. And we can see that to be saved, in verse 38, we need to repent and to be baptised. And remember we saw repentance being mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 3. Repentance leads to being saved. And God wants us to be saved, as we saw in that chapter and repentance means a change of direction in our lives. Instead of pleasing ourselves, it's talking about aiming in our lives to please the Lord God. And baptism is a declaration of our faith or belief in God and a complete immersion in water to show that we are followers of Jesus and we can be saved through his life and death. Please can we have a look at back one book to the Gospel of John, John and chapter 3. Perhaps the most familiar verse in the whole Bible to, to people around us. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We've seen that we need to repent and be baptised and Jesus is going to, to give us another thing we need to do if we wish to be saved. John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So belief is the first step. We remember God has immortality to give from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and he's ready to give it to those who believe in him and understand, understand the work that Jesus has done. This is why we can and we should trust in God. His purpose is to save us if we trust in him. Please can we uh, turn back to the Psalms. Psalm 138. <coughs> Psalm 138 and verse 2. Another psalm of David, like the one we looked at this morning. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness, and for thy truth. The character we saw in Exodus 34. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So, as we said, we remember God's glory was his name, his character of goodness and truth. But here God's word is magnified, is, is made even greater than his name. So it shows to us we 
must read and take notice of God's word it's that important it's the most valuable thing that we have please can we go again to Isaiah chapter 40 the last time we're coming here so we can uh, we don't need to keep keep hold of it after this Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 we're starting to think about the, the things that God has prepared for those people who do try to believe repent and be baptised and to follow um, the teaching of Jesus Isaiah 40 and verse 28 hast thou not known hast thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth faints not neither is weary there is no searching of his understanding he gives power to the faint and to them that have no might he increases strength even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint so this is just a flavour of the hope to be revealed at the culmination of God's purpose this idea of perfect energy and never being tired sure all of us would like that now but it will be like that when Jesus returns to set up God's kingdom so this is what we can understand of the marvellous time when God will give immortality. All the weaknesses we have now will be gone. Can we turn forward into New Testament please to the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. <coughs> Second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 4 and verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, they last for a while, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this should encourage us. God's plan is sure and certain. He has the power to bring it about. And when we see the wonderful rewards on offer, we know this is something so worthwhile to us. So let's put our trust in God and his word. Please can we turn back to the first letter, of 1 Corinthians and chapter 2. <clears throat> what else has Paul got to say about the wonderful time? when God will send Jesus to set up his kingdom first letter of Paul to the Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 but as it is written I has not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searches all things yea the deep things of God so Paul says to us that the things to come in God's kingdom are so amazing that we can't fully understand them now. They're far beyond any of our experiences or even what we can imagine. But God has told us about these things in his word. So we must keep reading God's word to find out more, to get the pictures of this great time to come in the future. But we must act. We can't take our time and allow ourselves to enjoy this life first. 
Please, can we turn back to our reading, Acts chapter 17. Our, Our last reference. Let's see what Paul says about how urgent it is that we respond to God's word. Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. The end of verse 30. God now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. So this is why we must act. God will intervene in the world around us, just like he intervened in Egypt with the plague and in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He will intervene. He will send Jesus back to the earth to give immortality to those who have believed repented and been baptised and we don't know when this will happen but if we don't act we may miss this wonderful opportunity that God is offering to us so please remember how great God is how he has the powers and abilities to reward those who trust in him and make sure that you spend time to concentrate on his word and to come to an understanding of these things this is a tremendous hope to have and I urge you to look further into these things We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.